0: And welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined again by Alex, with Alex Barth. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey. And uh, day three of the Combine, as you can tell, my brain is already starting to go to mush here a little bit. But we're in day three of the NFL Combine. Big weekend ahead for the Patriots with defense taking over Lucas Oil Stadium over the next two days. One of the deepest defensive line and linebacker groups that I can remember in quite some time. It's a good time for that to be the case, obviously, given the Patriots needs in those two areas. A lot of scouts, a lot of buzz about how great of a group this is, both off-ball linebackers, edge defenders, edge rushers and interior defensive linemen as well. Deep, 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 all three days, going to find players that can contribute. But we're going to start with the news of the day from Greg Bedard first, and then followed up by uh, the athletic Jeff Howe and company saying that the Patriots have had exploratory talks with the Carolina Panthers in regards to wide receiver Robbie Anderson. I would categorize these talks, Alex, as extremely Exploratory, Right now, what a lot of teams are doing, Patriots included, is they're trying to get a gauge of the market, right? What can right. we take Robbie Anderson for? Is Robbie Anderson available via trade? Is Carolina willing to talk trade? It does sound like they are willing to do so. I'm sure that they will also probably call Atlanta and, and talk about Calvin Ridley so that they can get an idea of, okay, we can get Calvin Ridley for a second or we could get Robbie Anderson for a fourth, which trade do we feel is better value? So I wouldn't get too caught up In the name Robbie Anderson. I think the bigger story here for the Patriots is that they are clearly shopping and doing their homework on available wide receiver talent. And we can also talk about the domino effect that this could potentially have on somebody like Nelson Aguilar, who I think would be the odd man out if this situation were to occur. But first, let's start with Anderson and start with the fact that the Patriots are at least interested for the second time now Because they did initially call him in 2020 when he was an unrestricted free agent going from the Jets to the Panthers. The Patriots had some interest at least, never got real serious, but they had some interest in Robbie Anderson at the time then as well. So they clearly view him as a player that could help them out in some way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, I've always been uh, a big Rodney, uh, uh, Roddy Anderson guy. To be honest, I've always, you know, I, I like him as a player. I think six three with that speed, and he's not too thin. He's like about two hundred pounds, I believe, uh, one ninety. I just, I, I think there's a, a player like that. The way offenses are run today, I think, can be very productive. Nelson Aguilar is comparable, but Nelson Aguilar is six feet. I think once you get above six two, then you're you're really talking about height that can truly make a difference. He's played in some bad offenses. He's played with some bad quarterbacks. That's probably held him back. He turns 29 in two months. You know, he's not, he's not totally cooked. Is it maybe too late for him to hit his ceiling? I think you can make that argument, but the most real steady quarterback play and steady offense he'd had in 2020 playing with Teddy Bridgewater caught a hundred balls for a thousand yards. Yeah. And I don't know that what he was doing, you know, we've talked about how maybe the Patriots, have simplified that X role. We thought it would become more nuanced with Nelson Aguilar in place and then that never materialized. Anderson really produced in a more simplified X sort of role. So I I don't know that he's an, he's not a notable upgrade over Nelson Aguilar. And again, I'm somebody who's always been very high on him. I think a lot of people see it as a wash. I'm somebody who, let's rewind to, you know, before Nelson Aguilar signed, how I felt about these two players. I would have put them in the same group but probably put Robbie Anderson a little bit higher. That being said, his contract's kind of a mess. Um, So I'm not necessarily saying I'm in on it. I just, I like, if they had signed him in 2020, I would have liked that. You know, I thought he was a good player. Um, I just don't know now that all the pieces make sense that it would work.
0: To me, it's a lateral move. And maybe it's Robbie Anderson's a little bit better than what Nelson Aguilar is certainly Anderson's breakout season in 2020 statistically was superior on the margins than Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar had just a shade under 900 yards with the Raiders in 2020. Anderson was over a thousand with Carolina in 2000. So it's a little bit better, right? A little bit better production there in that breakout year. But to me, they do the same thing. They're field stretchers. They're deep threats. They take the top off the defense and you have to at least somewhat respect their ability to get vertical with the safety over the top. You can't leave them completely on an Island. Most of the time, especially against guys that don't have favorable leverage against vertical routes against them and expect that people to stay over the top of their routes all the time. Maybe Robbie Anderson's a little bit better, but I find this hard to believe that the Patriots are truly interested in this move because you mentioned the contract Robbie Anderson's due $13 million in cash next season for whoever acquires him in a trade. That means that he will count $13 million against the Patriots' salary cap if he is the acquisition that they make. It's a million and a half dollars less than Nelson Aguilar on his current deal. Is that real? Is he? Is that that much of a difference? Right, a million right. bucks here, a million bucks there. I don't, we're not talking about a massive, massive difference in contract. Then you also get into the fact that he is under contract for 2023 as well. There's an out. He doesn't have any guaranteed money in his deal for 2023, but you still have to figure out what you're going to do with him beyond that point if it doesn't end up working out. But I think the bigger story out of all of this is again, not necessarily the name Robbie Anderson, because I'm sure that we could throw out, a bunch of different names that the Patriots have called on over the last week or so as they set the table for their off season. I'm sure they've kicked right. the tires on several of these types of players. The bigger story to me is that the Patriots, and we've talked about this on the pod are at least entertaining the idea that Nelson Aguilar needs to be moved. And he's not the guy that they want to hold that 13, $14 million cap hit as their ex receiver. So now what they'll do is they'll stack it up, right? They'll figure out what Calvin Ridley's worth. They'll figure out what Robbie Anderson's worth. They'll complete their evaluations on the draft class, and they'll come to a conclusion about who's the best value, best signing out of all those types of players. Throw Amari Cooper in there as well. All those guys will get stacked together, and they'll figure out what the best course forward is. But Nelson Aguilar in particular, it sounds like they want to move on if they can. And I don't blame them for it. They can actually save money
1: just by releasing him they, they only... open up but I think it's they save more significant money if they trade him absolutely yeah we talked about we talked about this with Miguel and the, the real interesting one to me I actually think Aguilar will have some value not tremendous but allocate a team like the Raiders where right they need a guy in that role Aguilar has been there he's had success best season of his career with Carr right Josh McDaniels is familiar can you maybe work out a pick swap you know right. where you go like a fourth for Aguilar in a six, something like that. And Pat's open 10 million if they do that. And then, you know, maybe that money goes right back into Robbie Anderson. Let me ask you two questions on Anderson though. Cause I'm curious yes. what you think about this since it is underwear Olympic season with the combine, you talk about them being a wash. Robbie yes. Anderson is three inches taller than Nelson Aguilar. Yes. Do you view that significantly? I have actually, let me, let I me tack onto you. that. Especially since they are generally pretty small offensively with the harry out of the potentially out of the equation
0: i suppose i see where you're going with it i feel as though i don't necessarily think that think of robbie anderson as a player that plays big right i don't think he plays to six foot three i i've seen in the past his contested catch numbers from pff are not good he's got a 33 contested catch rate in his career he is not a six foot three receiver in my mind, even yeah. though he's listed at six foot three. I think the one thing that you might get out of Robbie Anderson that you don't necessarily get out a Nelson Aguilar is a little bit faster. I think he's a little bit faster than, than Nelly is. I, I can't remember what Robbie Anderson ran exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up, but I, I'm pretty sure his 40 time was better than, than, uh, than uh, Nelson Aguilar's. Yeah. He
1: was a four, three, six guy. Right. At the and again, that, that can come with the height too, longer right. strides and all of right. that. My other thing on Anderson, maybe this is wishful thinking. I don't know. Yeah. My other thing on Anderson, Carolina is an absolute mess right now. Yeah. Especially on the offensive side of the ball. Could it be a situation? And normally this is guys with one year left on their deal. Anderson essentially, well, he really does have one year left on his deal. Cause there's that out. Right. right. So Could he be a guy who's willing to restructure his deal to get to a better situation? Because right now he's scheduled to become a free agent at the age of 30. That's not a bad spot to become a free agent, right? You can make some serious money at 30 years old as a wide receiver. Does he look at it and say, man, if I stay here and then get cut on that out, I'm going to hit the market with no production. He essentially becomes Allen Robinson, right? Whereas, not that the Patriots are a world-beater offense right now. They're not the Chiefs. They're not the Bills. but Pick, pick an offense, right? Patriots or Panthers? Yeah. Which would you rather be a receiver in? I'd much rather be with Mac Jones in that system, all of it, than in Carolina. Maybe there's something where he'd be willing to rework his deal a little bit. I don't know. I'm just kind yeah. of throwing that out there. But again, if I'm him and I know I'm coming up on a contract here, whatever it takes, get me the hell out of Carolina.
0: No, I, I agree with you. And I actually think that if you're trying to stack up which season is the bigger outlier? The 2020 Nelson right. Aguilar year with the Raiders, or the 2020 Robbie Anderson year with the Carolina Panthers. I would say the bigger outlier is probably Aguilar's season with Vegas, yeah. because Robbie Anderson, yeah, Nelson Aguilar changed systems. He went to, but he had a respectable starting quarterback in Mac Jones. Robbie Anderson was Sam Darnold for a little bit, then he was Cam Newton uh, receiver right. for a little bit. I mean, that production really speaks more to I would say the quarterbacks throwing him the football and the absolute mess of an offense that the Panthers were especially passing offense last season so I'm not saying that Robbie Anderson's going to reel off five six straight a thousand yard seasons and have a all of a sudden have a multi-time Pro Bowl type career but I, I do think that he is closer to the player that you saw in 2020 than maybe Nelson Aguilar is now I still think it's a marginal move. Like I I still don't think that that can be your only move at that spot. If they want to trade for Robbie Anderson, because instead of giving up their 21 for Calvin Ridley, they can get Robbie Anderson for a fourth. And then they draft somebody else in the middle rounds too. Then I, I think I can talk myself into both of those additions, helping the offense out as a whole. And maybe one of those guys turns into your thousand yard receiver, but if that's the only move they're going to make at wide receiver is Nelson Aguilar out Robbie Anderson in, I, I think you're improving on the margins at that point And you're really not looking at a significant upgrade. Yeah. I,
1: it's, it's an, I, I wish he was like a free agent or something. I wish they were going to cut him. Cause then to me, it would right. be a no brainer, but it's never that simple.
0: I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS 50 to get started and it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey boxing and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games bet online is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts. JC Jackson rumors, as it stands right now, before we turn over to the workouts, Mike Giardi did tweet out a little bit of a play-by-play of what's going on currently with JC Jackson's situation. Sounds like the Patriots, Giardi feels like, leaked the fact that they are not going to franchise tag JC Jackson as essentially a leverage play to see if anybody will bite on a tag-and-trade situation. They haven't had much of a market. I don't think currently for a tag and trade with JC, but maybe if you put out there, we're not going to tag him, but we will tag him if you want to trade for him. And then you don't have to fight over him in free agency. Right. You know, because right. you get him on the trade instead. So that could be an impact there with JC Jackson, but this thing is really smelling like this is not a return to new England for JC.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked a good amount about that yesterday, but it, it, it doesn't feel great. And you know, we can have all these fun talk, all this fun talking about Chris Alave and Jameson Williams. And, you know, maybe we'll get into Jordan Davis a little bit today. If JC Jackson walks, I don't think any of those guys are realistic, not because they're not on the board, but I just think you you have to address the corner situation, whether it's trading that first round pick or using it uh, on a guy like Andrew Booth. I just, I think it would be irresponsible to address any other need first. If JC Jackson leaves.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think, There is a chance uh, in the chat, I've thrown out James Bradbury's name a couple of times over the last few days when we've been talking about JC. I don't mind the idea of like a James Bradbury with a draft pick, right? Bradbury is kind of the bridge guy. Then you draft somebody with a premium pick and develop him. And then once he takes over next year, let's say he takes over as the number one starting outside corner type of deal. But we're going to talk about defensive line and linebackers. We've talked about the need for those positions all off season, since the Patriots are eliminated against Buffalo, all of this can go by the wayside as it typically does based off of how free agency plays out. Once the free agent moves happen and JC Jackson is no longer a Patriot, what's going on tomorrow at the combine with defensive backs becomes the real story for new England. But let's get into the defensive line and linebackers. We got measurements in before the workouts today. We got workouts starting here in just under an hour. Let's start with our guy, Jordan Davis, though, who measured in at six foot six, 340 pounds with 35 inch arms. That is some length, right? That is some size and some length. Alex, you've said that you heard at LSU or LSU at Georgia practice that he ran a sub five in the 40 yard dash. If he comes in at under five at 340 pounds, then Forget about it. I mean, that's just incredible.
1: Well, what did, because um, there were a couple linemen who hit under five, and Icom's a big guy. Yeah. I'm trying to see. he He's 320, and he came in sub. He was sub five, right? I thought I saw he was sub five. Yes. Yes, he was. So yes. it's not, you know, and I, I've been trying to tell you people Jordan Davis could be there at 21. Jordan yeah. Davis is going to fall. He's a top 15 pick. He's maybe a top 10 pick. I've been trying to tell everyone. I don't know why nobody believed me. He's, he's that, like, he's so big. So now you have half of the equation, right? The measurements, half the equation. Wait until you see how athletic he is. Yeah. He's that good.
0: Well, I think the great, the good thing about his potential athleticism is that if he is truly, especially if he tests really well in the agility drills, I would say even more so than just take away the 40, because when it comes to defensive linemen, if a Defensive lineman's running 40 yards. Something bad probably happened, right? Right. So take that away and let's talk about three cone, shuttle, that type of stuff. If he performs well in that, well, now you're talking about the fact that maybe he isn't solely a nose tackle for you, as Atlas interrupts. Maybe he can play three, four end, right? Or maybe he can play a little bit more shaded out towards the guard. And in that's the case then now he's got a whole lot more versatility to line up up and down the line of scrimmage. I think a lot of people that watch his tape and see his size 6'6", 342, they say nose tackle. He's going to play on the center or he's going to play the one technique shaded nose in between the guard and center, but he's not going anywhere further out than that. well, If he has that type of athleticism, then he can potentially play further out than that. And if you play certain schemes, like let's say you play an outside zone scheme and you want to put him on the strong side end, then you can do that. And that's definitely a lot more value than just a guy that's going to play a straight nose tackle role over the center.
1: That's what I've been trying to tell you. I don't think he's just a nose tackle. I think he's better than that. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what he does today. But watching him in college, I think he's better than that.
0: Yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine that if he tests well, that teams won't agree with you, right? Like I, right. I, that, that's the way that this is headed, and what that also allows you to do is, I, I think a lot of the conversation with Jordan Davis is, is he a only a first and second down player, right? And are you going to have a limited role for him? And is that worth a first round pick? Well, if he can move up and down the line of scrimmage, then he might not just be a, a run game player, right? So, right. The only difference I would say with him. And his potential to play more snaps is obviously going to be conditioning. And uh, the Patriots have a great conditioning program. So maybe they can get him in a good enough game shape that he can play 60 snaps in the game. And he's not a, just a rotational piece. But yeah, that's, that's really where it comes into uh, these workouts for a guy like Jordan Davis. is Does he have more versatility than just playing on the nose? Because if he does, then... We're talking about a, a different type of conversation because I know a lot of people are hung up on, well, he's just a rundowns player. He's not going to be in the right. game on third down. He's not going to be in the game on second and long. So you're drafting a guy in the first round that's going to play 35 snaps a game. That that doesn't have value.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that he's going to be like a primary pass rusher, but like, don't, you're, like you're not going to put him out there on like third and 15, right? right? At least not right away. But third and five where – you know, shotgun draw, a screen might be in the picture, something like that, RPO. I think he can play against in, in that sort of situation. Yeah. So he's. I, I don't think he's going to have an 80% usage rate, but nobody that big is going to have an 80% usage rate. 60%, you know, 65%. I think that's realistic, if not right away, within a year or two.
0: Yep, I agree. All right, let's talk about one of his teammates, more of an edge defender, versatile player. Trevon Walker, also from Georgia. Did you see his measurements? This guy is, he's like yeah. a pterodactyl. I, I don't even know how to describe him, right? I mean, his arms are ridiculously long. Uh, he's 270 pounds, so he's got some girth to him as well. A really interesting, intriguing player. I know a lot of plugged-in draft people, like Dane Brugler from The Athletic, have him as very, very high on their boards, like top 10 prospect high. Here's the catch. Even though he's six five, here's the exact measurement: six five, two seventy-two with an eighty-four-inch wingspan. I mean, that's that's some length, right? The catch is that he only has nine and a half career sacks. And as much as I don't get too caught up in stats because you really are projecting what that player is gonna be, not what he was in college, it's gonna be tough for a team to take Trayvon Walker in the top ten with only nine and a half career sacks for comparison a guy like George uh, Karloftis from Purdue had nine and a half sacks in three games last year. Right. So, you know, it's at some point in time, as much as you're trying to project traits into your defense and how it's going to translate at some point, you do have to see the production. You do have to see a guy that you're going to take that highly produce in the stat sheet. And Trayvon Walker is a total traits based prospect. He's a, not a production guy. He's a tape and he's a traits guy. But if he falls to Bill Belichick at 21, Bill's going to know what to do with a guy like that. Like he's a chess piece player who can line up pretty much on the ball, off the ball, inside, outside, anywhere you want him to go. And Bill Belichick is going to love that type of guy. You know, you just do anything you want with him.
1: So I think it's tough scouting the Georgia defense as a whole. I mean, this applies to Davis. It applies to Walker. Yeah, especially that that front seven, there was just so much talent across the board. I don't know that any of them got to maximize it. Right. True. It's 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 kind of similar to the conversation we have about, well, why aren't there as many Hall of Famers from the early Patriots defenses? Just because there were so many good players, it maybe hid just how good some of those players were, right? You know, why do people think Jordan Davis is a two-down player? Well, because he only played two downs at Georgia. Why he didn't play, he wasn't a two-down player at Georgia because that's all he could do he was a two down player at Georgia because there were potential top 10 pass rushers right on the team as well. And I think Jordan Davis is a really good pass rusher for who he is. He's not like you wouldn't pick him in the top 10 because of his pass rushing ability, right? It's, it's the whole package, but they didn't need him to rush the passer because they've got like Trayvon Walker. They have uh, Devont, Devont, Devontae Wyatt. Right. So, you know, right. why does um you know, why don't, why doesn't Walker, why doesn't Trayvon Walker wear nine and a half sacks? Well, look at who he's competing with, getting to the quarterback. Yeah. You know, George, Car- George Carlottis. yeah, he was great. Who's rushing on the other side that's taking sacks away from him? The whole thing yeah. was built around him. And he's out there every single third down. That wasn't the case at Georgia. So it's just, it, you really have to go by, I think you really have to scout these guys' eye test. What do you see on a play-by, you know, play-to-play basis? Because looking at the stats, looking how they were used overall in the big picture, the talent that was there as a whole really skews what each individual player did in the production they put out. That's why, like, when we talk about Quay Walker, you look at him compared to other linebackers in this class in terms of the production, and he's like 30 to 40 tackles, you know, overall tackles, solo tackles behind the guys he's kind of comped with. Well, yeah, of course he. but then on the other hand, it's like, he got 70 tackles or whatever it is. I think it's like actually low 80s. He got 80 tackles playing next to nikobe D. Right. When you factor that in, okay, that's impressive. Of course, Chad Mama has 140 tackles. Who's he playing next to?
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, Quinn Walker's, Walker's playing next to
1: a first-round pick. He still got to the ball carrier 80 times.
0: Yeah. He also has great pressure per snap stats, right? Like the PFF metrics right. and stuff so like that. So that's the thing. You've got to look
1: at it on a per snap basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's a really intriguing player, probably kills it at the combine, probably goes a little bit higher than what the Patriots are going to be able to get him at. But again, there are I I know for a fact there's still some teams that are super old school about production, right? And if you're going to draft a guy at maybe a team that I I think wouldn't care, who has two picks ahead of the Patriots, is like the Philadelphia Eagles. They're a team that, no pun intended, flocks to – athletes they all they care about is measurables right just give me a ball of clay and our coaches will will work with that guy and figure it figure it out so maybe they're a team that jumps on a guy like Trayvon Walker you mentioned Devontae Wyatt we've talked about him a little bit as well on the show personally I have him rated extremely highly Uh, he's my number two IDL in this class the problem that I have with a guy like him is a little bit redundant to Christian Barmore how how do you get both of those guys on the field at the same time? I think is a conversation that they'll have to have. You can't have both of them play three technique, right? There's right. yeah, there's three technique on either side of the center, but you don't really that's not really how you align a, a defensive line, is having two three techniques on the other side of center. So how do you get both of those guys on the field at the same time and both be productive? That's gonna be a question. Fantastic player, great prospect. I think he's gonna be a back end of the first round guy, but you worry about his fit next to Barmore. Whereas with Jordan Davis, you know Jordan Davis is gonna be on the nose, Barmore is gonna be the three technique, and right.
1: you pull it back and you go get it. A uh, couple more defensive well, lines. Just real quick, I'd add to that yeah. too. If 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 why like a guy like Wyatt, if that's the route they want to go, if they say hey, let's just load up on athletes on the defensive line and we'll figure it out from there. Right. Well then like you look at a guy like Perry on Winfrey, who's going to go 60 picks later, who's, you know, comparable measurements and all of that. I just, there's a number why it's a really good player. There's a number of reasons why I just don't think they would take him where they would need to take him.
0: Yeah. That's a fair point as well. That, some of these guys, like a Mathis, uh, even even like a Winfrey. Uh, you said Winfrey, didn't you? Uh, I meant to, yeah. Yeah, Fidarian Mathis from Alabama. So yeah, he's another one similar as well. So, those two guys, you can get those guys on day two, similar players as Wyatt. Um, and, and you kind of keep this thing rolling. Travis Jones from UConn, I, I believe he's working out today as well. Uh, he's yeah. going to be an interesting name to monitor for the Patriots, but I want to get to a couple more of these edge defenders before we move on, over to linebackers and we'll take a, we'll, we'll take 20 minutes or so here to talk about the linebackers. Uh, I mentioned George. I, wanna, I do.
1: I do want to save some time for the running backs too. Yeah, we Maybe will. Yesterday. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. recap
0: yesterday a little bit at the end. Uh, George Karloff is uh, from Purdue. I mentioned him just now uh, a few minutes ago. He's somebody that has a very, wide range of opinions on him in this. Some people think he's the second, third best edge defender in the class, top 15, 20 guy. And then there's some boards where he's much, much lower. He is a power end. He all he does is speed the power, collapse the pocket. He he plays like the Hulk. That's what I always say. Is he just plays like a man possessed getting after the quarterback? I would be a little bit concerned with his movement. And we're going to see it here today. Based off the tape, he's a little bit stiff. He doesn't have great range on the edge. So when guys run at his edge, it's a little bit more difficult for him to kind of corral a running back, running at him because he doesn't have a great wingspan or a great lateral movement to go ahead and make those tackles. But he is definitely somebody who can rush the passer and could slide because of the fact that he's a little bit stiff in the hips and and not exactly Ah, uh, the speed to edge toward the corner type of guy uh, that typically goes super high in the draft.
1: Yeah, I just you mentioned like there's a wide range of teams how they feel on him, right? Yeah. Even if 20 teams see him as you know a, a later first round pick, and 12 teams see him as a top 10 pick, you only need one of those 12 teams in the top 10, and he's a top 10 pick, right? Yeah. You only need you only need one team to like him for him to go that high. So even if there's a handful of teams that believe that much in him i would think one one of those teams would either have the pick up there move up and get him so i'm not i'm not counting on him being there at 21
0: okay last uh, or two more quickly uh, david jabo from michigan edge rusher good speed Went to Michigan, right? I mean, you kind of have yeah. to talk about they draft Uche, they draft Winovich. Uh, I think that Ajabo has to be in the conversation as well, just because of the program and the fact that that skill set from that program is a position that they've gone after. Now they are deep at edge defender. I think he's kind of redundant to those guys: Wino, uh, Uche, Ronnie Perkins. I think a lot of those guys kind of fit the mold that Ajabo does, but he's got some Uche-like explosiveness to him, Uh, maybe even more so than Uche and Winovich. He's going to be a high pick. Another guy late to football, uh, got into football in in high school, didn't play a ton of football growing up, and now is playing uh, at Michigan. But his production was good this past season, but he's not like a four-year starter producer type of guy. But he's an interesting one too, as is uh, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. That pretty much rounds out the
1: potential 21 at targets at 21 in the edge group. Yeah. Just, uh, on Ojabo. I think if he was like a second or third round pick, he's more in the conversation. I don't know that they're we, we've talked about like, this is a really deep edge class,
0: Yeah,
1: which generally means they're not going to take an edge in the first round. Right. They're going to do that same thing they do on day two where they'll grab one of them, whether it's Winfrey or Pascal or whoever, um, you know, these defensive linemen, edge guys and figure out a way to wedge him in. I, I like Ojabo. I really do. Um, I wonder if he's Michigan's best edge rush. Like, I'm not super high on Aiden Hutchinson. Right. Um, I still think the first overall pick should be between Neil and Dibido. I'd probably go Neil, but I just, I, I, for if, even if Ojabo's there at 21, I just don't think if he's there at 21, it means all of these edge guys are falling. If all of the edge guys are falling, they'll say, well, we'll wait because we're going to get really good value here in the next round. And if they're not falling, well, then Ojabo's off the board. They can't pick him anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I Neil is or Evan Neil's ridiculous, man. I mean, that guy is three hundred and forty pounds or something like that. Yeah, and looks like he's he looks
1: like he's skinnier than I am.
0: Yeah, you know, he, he's he's I don't even know where he's ha- hiding. The draft experts
1: suggest he could move to guard, though. <laughs> I they were talking about that last night. I don't I'm know. Serious. I, don't I told know you where, about this. Where is he carrying that
0: weight? I just don't. He's. I guess it's because he's 6'7, right? But I, right. I, I, oh man, that guy, that guy's a monster. Anyways, um, moving over to linebackers. We'll start at the top here with N'Kobe Dean, who measured in today at 5'11, 229. So he's smaller than Kyle Duggar, right? Like yeah. Kyle Duggar is bigger than he is. There is nobody in this defensive class, though, that plays faster than N'Kobe Dean. He, that guy is, and it's not just that he plays fast, he knows where he's going too, right? Like right. some guys just play fast, but they add a position all the time. He is always around the football, he's always where he's supposed to be. He's a fantastic player, but at 5'11, 220, uh, 229, I know a lot of people are comparing him to like Jonathan Vilma, a, a similar size measurements there. But it, Bill Belichick drafting a two hundred and twenty nine pound linebacker in the first round just doesn't feel right to me.
1: Was Jonathan Vilma that small? Yeah, Jonathan Vilma 6'1", was— six one two thirty.
0: Yeah, two. Uh, he measured in at six and a half, six feet and a half, and uh, two thirty three at the combine.
1: Yeah, I, I again with Dean, you know that that meme about Jamal Adams. Where, where, you know, he's a linebacker. Everybody's yeah, like Jamal Adams like. Right. I think you're going to see the reverse of that with N'Kobe Dean at some point. Yeah. The, you know, N'Kobe Dean is a safety is going to become a thing because look, you can play real fast and you know, unless you're a pure coverage linebacker, right. Unless you're um like Matt Milano, who's basically only playing Matt Milano is basically a safety the right. way Buffalo uses him. Unless he lands in the perfect system and maybe he will, but at a certain point in most defensive systems, if you're going to play Mike linebacker, you got to come downhill and stop the run. And Nikobe Dean against NFL centers and guards. It's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. He's not yeah. going to be able to do that. You and you think, the- all right, well, he's so fast. Maybe he can set the edge. He's not setting the edge either. So yeah. he's a very scheme-specific player. And that scheme's not here. Unless they're going to totally overhaul the defense. And who knows? Maybe with J.C. Jackson leaving, they do decide to become that zone team. Like, right. if, it, you know, if J.C. Jackson leaves, I think it becomes a slightly more realistic conversation. He's also going to test so well today that one of those teams that he is a fit for will trade up and get him. I'm not counting on him on the board at 21.
0: So Matt Milano is six feet, 223. So basically the exact same size as Nicobe Dean. Dean actually has got some weight on him. I I think I'm sure that Milano, now that he's in an NFL strength and conditioning program, is probably playing closer to 225, 230. So maybe they're about the same exact size. The Patriots were rumored to have some interest in Milano a couple years ago. I don't know how real that rumor was, but I remember that being floated out there and Milano was supposed to become a free agent. He ended up re-signing and uh, upping with uh, with Buffalo, so he never hit free agency. But yeah, it, you're right. If they're going to be a zone defense and they need linebackers uh, that can be that sort of space guy, right, and, and be a guy that can drop into coverage and do all those sort of things, then they're going to have to be a little bit faster uh, there and, and kind of go a little bit different direction. So. Maybe somebody like a N'Kobe Dean could be in that conversation. Uh, next up here on the linebackers, Devin Lloyd, who I watched a little bit more of his tape. I'm a little bit more into it now that I've seen some more games out of his. Still have concerns about the way he takes on blocks. Still think that he's best in that Fred Warner role in that Seattle-style cover three type system. But he's going to be a, a great, he should be a great tester. Uh, and he probably will be long gone by the time the Patriots pick at 21.
1: Yeah. And this goes back to what we kind of, what I said before, again, even if he's there at 21, there's so many good middle linebackers in that mold in this draft that they're just going to see too much value at the position. Either he's there at 21. And that yeah. means these guys are falling, right? We're talking about Chad mama, quay Walker, right? right? Oh, wow. They're falling even further than we thought. We don't need to take, Lloyd here, or he's off the board at 21 and he's off the yeah. board at 21. There's nothing you can do. So I, I, again, I just, I, I don't see him fitting into the Patriots draft plan. Yeah. Devin good player. Good player is, I just don't see it. He just does some things that are super freaky. Well,
0: right. Like the side, the range sideline to sideline, he'll make plays on guys in the flats and he'll chase them down from inside linebacker and he'll go all the way outside the numbers and make tackles. He can rush on the line of scrimmage. He's definitely somebody that can do a lot of the different things that Bill Belichick wants his linebackers to do. We always talk about guys like Dante Hightower playing on and off the line of scrimmage, depending on what Bill wants to do with him on a given play or in a given game plan. He can do that. Deloitte is the type of guy that can play edge rusher and he can play inside linebacker. To that point, though, that's why I feel like he's going to be long gone because taking a true off ball inside linebacker and the top 10 you talk about positional value and all those types of things, right? But when you start talking about a guy that can also rush the passer like Devin Lloyd can, now you're talking about an impact player in multiple ways. And now it's not re- it's like Micah Parsons, right? It's a different conversation. I think a lot of teams are going to sell themselves on a guy like Devin Lloyd being Micah Parsons light. He's not as good as Micah Parsons, but I think they're going to look at it and say, He's 75% as good as Micah Parsons or 80% as good as Micah Parsons. And even that is good enough to be a pro bowl player probably at the NFL level. So I think he's yeah. going to be gone. Now let's get into some linebackers that actually are probably more realistic for the Patriots here. Uh, Christian Harris measured in today. Both of us uh, texted each other, right. As we saw the measurement, not exactly as big as we thought he was going to be, Uh wow measured in at what was it 229 pounds i want to say it something was something like that yeah yeah and i'm going to pull it up right now but i i don't know again this is, we come back into this conversation of where does bill belichick feel comfortable drafting a linebacker that doesn't have size 226 pounds not yeah. only not only 226 but also just a shade over six feet tall so he doesn't got size and he doesn't have length so those are two things that are going to hurt him with the patriots
1: yeah, he uh his stock kind of dropped in my mind today. You know, we'll see how he tests, but again, he's on that smaller side. There's some speculation that he'd end up being more of an outside linebacker at yep. the next level. You know, more just a pass rusher, and maybe like maybe he's their day two. Maybe he ends up being their day two edge guy. Maybe they draft him with the idea that he's not going to be a middle linebacker. He's going right. to you know slide into that Joshua Chase, Winovich, Ronnie Perkins group. I could see that now more so than him being you know the replacement for Juwan Bentley or Dante Hightower. Uh, Not a great, I thought he was going to come in. I knew he was, again, that that group I referred to as the big three, right? Harris, Walker, Mama. I knew he was going to be the smallest of those three. I didn't think he'd come in that small. I thought he'd be at least 230, probably closer to 235. I wonder, because he's a very, very good athlete. He's the best athlete in that group. I wonder if he took weight off instead of putting it on to try to, you know, test well and to try to maybe appeal to those teams that are looking for more of the coverage linebackers, you know, um, like a team, maybe be like, Hey, if you don't get Nicobe Dean, I'm your guy, that sort of thing. Because again, there's so many, there's so many downhill linebackers in this class. It's a way to separate himself.
0: That's a good point because he's basically the same size as N'Kobe Dean. I I, I watched him on tape. I thought Christian Harris was a much bigger player than N'Kobe Dean, but they weigh in today and measure in today and Harris is, a shade over six feet and 226 pounds. N'Kobe Dean is a shade under six feet and 229. We're, we're splitting hairs here. They're, they're basically right. the same size. So that is a big difference than what both of us were expecting with Christian Harris. I think that the conversations that we've had in the past are maybe the Patriots trade back out of 21 and grab a guy like Harris in the 30s. Similar to the trade that they made to get Kyle Duggar, right? Somewhere right. along those lines. Now I'm a little bit skeptical that Christian Harris would be their guy, uh, given the fact yep. that he's that size. We're looking for speed. We're looking for explosiveness. We're looking for playmakers at linebacker, but we're not looking to completely rewrite the the playbook here, right? So that, that's going to be a tough sell to me. You talked about uh, Quay Walker.
1: By the way, just, just as I was out there, Harris at Alabama was listed at 232. Yeah. So that's... Yeah,
0: something happened there.
1: Yeah, that's, and he, but he was 240
0: last year. Huh. So maybe you're right. Maybe he dropped weight to, so that he would test well. And then he's going to put it back on uh, once we get to the, to the games in the fall. All right. You talked about the big three. The next one up here on my list, Quay Walker, 6'4, 241, nearly 33 inch arms. Check the boxes. We expected him to check from a measurable standpoint. He's locked. He's long and he's got some size to him at 241. My guess is, is with a six foot four frame, he's probably another one of those guys that wanted to stay around 240 so that he could run well at the combine. Once you get him into an NFL program at six foot four, he can definitely take on some more weight and probably not lose too much of that speed. So maybe with the Patriots, they could bulk him up to 245, right? And get him up right. a little bit strength wise. Really, really intriguing prospect. He's not as big as Jamie Collins, but I think that he does some Jamie Collins-like things uh, with his range and his athleticism and some of his eye-popping plays with that with that athlete, that profile. You know, the length and the size and the, also the uh, movement skills.
1: I think, like pound for pound, you know, where he's going to go factored in all of it. I he's my he's my guy. He's my guy for the Patriots more than anybody else. The measurements today, he actually exceeded. I thought he was going to come in. He, he was listed at 240 at Georgia. I thought he was going to come in a little under that. I figured he'd be in the 230s. The arm length, like you mentioned, the wingspan kind of pot. I, I don't really like project that stuff. I don't know. I just wait to see it. Right. But um, excellent way in. We'll see how he tests tonight. But you like you said, he's got that athleticism. He's got that part to his game. You know, he was kind of hidden a little bit playing next to Kobe Dean, like I mentioned before. But Man, Quay Walker, you know, all during that stretch at the end of the year where they were struggling with all those mobile quarterbacks, and and we were all calling for that same thing, you know, that mobile linebacker Mm -hmm. who can still be a sledgehammer. We didn't we might not have known it at the time. I really feel like the player we were describing to a T is Quay Walker. Yeah. He really feels like the guy he should be there at what is it, 53, right? Yeah. He should be on the board at 53. I'd even move up a little bit in the second round to get him if you want to do what you did with Barmore last year. That obviously worked out. I just, I see a lot of people excited about Dean. I see a lot of people excited about Lloyd in terms of like Patriots fans. And I get it. I get it. Quay Walker's the guy to me. Quay Walker's the guy who's going to give them exactly what they need.
0: So I think the cool thing about when you
1: watch him on tape and you see the lane he's
0: almost like a goalie in soccer, right? Where he's so long in the middle when he drops like into the hole or drops into like a hook curl zone that you got to throw the ball around him somehow. So there's a play where he's carrying a three vertical up the seam and he doesn't have great coverage. Like he actually is kind of a step behind, but he's so long that the quarterback knows that he's got to lop the ball over him to drop it into the uh, number three. And he ends up sailing it out of the back of the end zone because he's trying to get it over Quay Walker. So he's one of those guys that just his length is a presence. It just impacts where the quarterback's throwing the football. I wanted to pull up Jamie Collins here for a second because the Patriots drafted Jamie Collins 52nd overall. This is, that's where they're picking basically, right? Again, 53 or 54, whatever it is.
1: Although did they trade up for Collins? I'll I'll pull that up. They
0: traded back for Collins.
1: So right, right. He was their top pick that year, right? So that's that
0: 2013 draft is something that when we start doing mock drafts, I'm gonna start talking about that a little bit more because in that draft they traded back out of the first round. They got Jamie Collins at 53, 52, and then they drafted. Let's all hope it works out better this time around. But they drafted Aaron Dobson and Josh Boyce in the second round, and then in the fourth round with Boyce, and then they had in between those picks. A corner and a safety, Logan Ryan and Dur- Duron Harmon. So they came away from that draft with two wide receivers, Collins, Harmon, and Ryan. That seems right. like the type of draft they're trying to hit now. And obviously, hopefully, it pans out better with the wide receivers they end up taking. But that again, it, it stresses a trade down, right? That's because kind of the mold though. that they got. That they were able to get to five picks, right? That was right. the big thing. Right now, they only have three picks or four picks if you want to count the fourth rounder. They, they were able to trade back and get to five picks in that draft. So that's definitely something that I think that they're going to think about in, in this draft, and maybe Quay Walker ends up being the target to be kind of the top guy that they select in that draft. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chad Mama measured in 6'3", 239. I think another guy that probably – drop some weight maybe he was closer to 245 when he played last year at wyoming to run a little bit faster uh, he's not the freak athlete that quay walker is he's a plus athlete though and his instincts are tremendous top-notch instinctual player moves very well laterally against the line of scrimmage can scrape and go gap to gap and be able to figure things out and sift through the trash i just love his nose for the football i think that guy is in this right spot all the time. He paced out running backs extremely well. You mentioned his tackle totals. They are really good in college. I really think that he's going to be a hundred tackle guy in the NFL. And in some ways, even though he doesn't quite have the freakish athleticism that maybe like a Devin Lloyd or a Quay Walker is going to end up testing, a guy that just racks up tackles, that just eats ball carriers like Chad Mumma is kind of what they need in a lot of ways, too.
1: Yeah, he listed at two forty two last year. By the way, so uh, it's about you know about three pounds at. is pretty negligible yeah. in in this conversation. Um, yeah, I like I wouldn't be mad if they end up with him. He's just a guy that gets the ball, makes plays. Somebody yeah. in the chat, Blake Martinez is a really good comp. You know, I, I'm hesitant to throw out Leighton Vander Esch because I think when people hear Leighton Vander Esch, they think injuries. Oh, right. Mama Mama stayed on the field in Wyoming, but that same kind of guy where you know, he's not going to make your jaw drop with anything athletic, but he just knows what's in front of him and he's able to get to the spot. Um, You know, he has that, like you said, he is a plus athlete. Um, He's not on the level of Walker. He's certainly not on the level of Dean, but he's going to get to the spot, make the play. um, And he's, he's never out of position. He's never really out of position. So yeah, I, I, I'd be, again, I like Walker Walker's still the guy. I think these two guys probably go, I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to back picks, right? They end up right around each other, but. Um, I would take Walker between the two, but if they end up with Chad mama, that's a good pick too. He's going to give them exactly what they need. A GPS to the football. That, that's what yeah. that guy has. He and just... that's, you know, the funny thing is the big thing. That was the big thing with Kyle Duggar. I remember my first take like instinct on Kyle Duggar was this guy gets to the spot. Yeah. And then it was, what's going to happen once he gets there. Right. But he got to the spot. So yeah, that's, that's a trait, you know, no duh. It's a good trait. That's a trait they value.
0: All right. Darian Beavers from Cincinnati only 237 pounds six foot four 237 is what he measured in as we think of him as a little bit more of like the thumping style that they want I thought he was going to be closer to 250 right I did too, yeah yeah he's an aggressive downhill guy he's an interesting prospect to watch as well for them because of the way he takes on blocks if you're trying to be a little bit more athletic than let's say like a juan bentley but also still have some of that thumping style Uh, a guy like beavers or a guy like leo chanel who did measure in at 250 pounds those are the two guys that they're going to be looking at on day two of the draft
1: yeah so so chanel is only 250 i thought he was going to come in bigger than that
0: yeah so chanel came in at 6'3 250
1: i thought he was going to be pushing 260 interesting okay
0: yeah Yeah, he's an interesting player too that I'm interested to see how he tests. With Chennault, I'm not so worried at all about the 40 with him. The agility drills will be the big one. And also even the on-field work, let's see how well he moves, right? When they do the drills, when they have guys drop and open his hips and do different things. That's going to be an interesting thing with Chennault too because I am not concerned with him being pointed in the right direction and screaming at a ball carrier, right? I think he can fly in, in a straight line. Uh, the more concern I have with him is change of direction and his ability to flip his hips and and get open and, and do things like that, that that's going to be a difference maker for Chanel and his draft stock. So that was the linebackers. How we walk. Oh, your guy, Troy Anderson. Can't forget about. Yeah. Troy. He had
1: a really good weigh in. Yeah. Six foot
0: three and a half, two hundred and forty-three 243 pounds, over 32 inch arms. He's big and long. Alex, uh, this is what they like. And he also played uh, multiple positions as you pointed out.
1: Yeah. All conference quarterback. So he started as a running back, then moved to linebacker, then moved to quarterback was all conference. Then moved back to linebacker. and was the, was the uh, FCS defensive player of the year. So yeah. you talk about a guy who see, yeah. can see the game through a unique lens. He's really played all over the field. He's really athletic too. He was a triple option quarterback. Yeah. So he's, I just, I love the blueprint. I love the blueprint. When you talk about Troy Anderson and I was worried he was going to come in a little lighter. He was listed at what did he weigh in at two forty two? Uh, 10? yeah, yeah, no, he
0: he's not light. He he list. Uh, I just lost it. He he weighed in plenty. I'll I'll get it back for you. One sec. Two
1: forty three. Two forty three. Two forty three. He's listed at two thirty two at Montana. Yeah. So my thing with him, like my biggest hesitancy with him is, is he going to be too small? Right. And and that's not, you know, he's one of the bigger guys from that group. So he's probably going to shoot up a little bit. I wonder if he flirts with the end of day two now. I, I, you know, I, I, Evan, I try to tell you about Troy Anderson. You laughed it off. Oh, he plays a bunch of positions. It's cute. No, the dude's the real deal. The guy's the real deal. And if they really want to do the value thing, right? If they really want to do, where do we get the best bang for our buck? I yeah. think ultimately you overpay a little bit, you know, relative to everybody, and you get Quay Walker. But if they really want to do the value thing, taking Troy Anderson to start day three is the pick.
0: Yeah, I, I like Troy Anderson. I, I watched a little bit of the. Senior Bowl practice tape that's finally going around now, and you can get the all 22 from senior bowl practices. Chad Mama and Troy Anderson played a lot of snaps together as off ball linebackers, and watching those two guys just key and flow to the football is tremendous. Like they are just, they're all over the football at the senior bowl, and you know, the Patriots are watching that, right? So, right, uh, that's gonna be really to me with the guys that were at the senior bowl at the linebacker position, uh, Mama, Beavers. Anderson, even a, a guy like um, Brian Awesomeau, I think is how you say it, like Namdi Awesomeau. Brian Awesomeau, undersized, but he's going to go in like the sixth round, right? So you might, you might right. take a little bit off of that because of that. Those guys that were at the Senior Bowl, I would be absolutely stunned if one of these Senior Bowl linebackers is in the Patriot. It, they love the Senior Bowl event. They had a bunch of really good linebackers down there this year. I, I would be pretty stunned if they didn't take one of these guys mama beavers anderson uh whoever it ends up being a lot to talk about last night and uh the offensive lineman and the running backs a couple questions already about the running backs last night so we'll get to that here before we wrap offensive lineman though isaiah win on the fifth year option trent brown a free agent some uncertainty at tackle especially when you talk about 2023 right I, i think you can get Trent Brown back on a decently uh, team-friendly deal. You have a win under the fifth-year option for 2022. Start talking about 2023 and beyond, uh, there are some questions there. Trevor Penning was outstanding last night. I mean, he he made himself some money uh, to the point where now he he might be off the board by the time the Patriots pick at 21. One of the best – testing athletes at the combine for an offensive lineman that we've ever seen uh since 2003 a top five tester uh all time he looked outstanding bernard raymond from central michigan also looked outstanding so those two guys are now solidified first i think raymond's probably gonna go in the first round too probably later uh than penning uh, but i think both of those guys are potentially first rounder targets at 21 now for the Pats.
1: yeah I Penning specifically, I mean, he just checks so many boxes for them. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's not going to make it to 21 now. Um, and, you know, Charles, I don't think so. Charles Cross, too, had that great combine, so he's going to rise. I think the value of the tackles collectively rose last night outside of Darian Kennard. It's probably time I get off that bandwagon, but uh, overall, a good night last night for the tackles.
0: Yeah, it's a deep tackle class, too, and the Patriots. I uh, still have Dante Scarnecchia uh, consulting on the scouting side of things. They send him a list of, of offensive linemen to watch, and he gives thumbs ups and thumbs downs to the guys that he likes and doesn't like. So, somebody tells me that because of the depth in that class, because of some of the positions that are going to get knocked down, I think linemen will be one of them. They could be, they got those two second, sixth round picks. They got Haran and Mike Onwenu in the sixth round a couple of years ago. This feels like one of those drafts again where they take a flyer on two day three tackles and hope they hit on one of those guys. Maybe somebody uh, like an Abraham Lincoln from Washington state ends up sliding. He had a really good workout last night too. Uh, he's six foot six over 300 pounds. Uh, he, he's a good player also that that could potentially be just a nice mold of clay. Right. And you, you figure out what to right. do with them once he gets here. I think there's some other guys like that too, in this offensive tackle class. So as much as I, I love now, I, I'm all, If they took Penning at 21, I'd be good with it, right? I think Penning is a a franchise-left tackle type of prospect, not undersized like Isaiah Wynn, checks all the boxes, does everything right. I I think that they're going to be really happy with that pick. If they get a guy like Penning, then you get into day two of the draft, maybe you flip Isaiah Wynn on day two for another pick, right, And, and try to go that direction with it. You bring back Trent Brown. You have Mike on when who can play right tackle. penning's not ready right away, and you have to play Trent Brown at left tackle. We've talked about trading Isaiah Wynn before. I, I don't, I don't mind that sort of plan if that's the way that the board falls. I do think you could potentially get a, a top 125 pick back for Isaiah Wynn, a third or a fourth rounder. You know, as we've talked about, yeah. they can use that pick, right? I mean, they, they they could definitely use another one of those types of picks.
1: They're they're going to try to accumulate picks in this draft, like just the way the draft is set up and and where they're starting at. They're not giving up picks. They're going to try to accumulate picks to improve.
0: Yeah. All right. Running backs. uh, your guy, Tyler Batty, he he had a great workout, Alex.
1: Yeah. Beatty. 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 Yeah, he was he was really good. And especially, you know, not even the 40, he was really good in the 40, but, you know, some of the the uh, the jumps which kind of tests lower body strength. Cause that's part of the question right. with him. I don't, I didn't see what he weighed in at. Um, he's not a big guy, but you know, so the, the question is, well, all right, how's he going to hold up in pass pro without that size? Well, it looks like he's got a strong lower body. So yeah. that's good. That's good news. I, I, I really think there's a lot to like with him. I really do. I'm trying to find his, uh, what he weighed in at right now? But
0: he had over hundred career catches.
1: At, yeah. Uh, very he's productive. Sure.
0: And they they just picked Josh Bledsoe from that program, right? So they they've they've made it clear that they'll take guys from Missouri for what right. it's worth. And uh, yeah, he tested really well four four five, I think was his official uh, forty yard dash time, uh, which is definitely plenty fast enough for a third down back. Obviously, really interesting prospect yeah. uh, that, that I'm definitely. He actually
1: weighed in. He actually weighed in bigger than I thought he would. Five eight one ninety
0: seven. Yeah, that's. That's plenty big enough for that type yeah. of role, and you're not going to hand him the ball 25 times. So obviously, that that's plenty big enough. Okay, the other guy that I want to talk about, I saw in the chat, uh, some James Cook love from Georgia. Yeah, he was really good. Calvin's brother, probably the best looking running back out on the field last night, just in terms of how smooth he was going through all those drills. I, I know that uh, was it, a Brees Hall. Uh, he's going to be uh, from Iowa State. A lot of people kind of have him as the number one back off the board right now. But James Cook made himself some money last night too.
1: Yeah, no, he was really good. I like him. He's a real three down back, not a third down back. I mean, he can play in all phases. He's good. He's big enough. He can carry the ball between the tackles, all of that, but he can factor in in the, in the, in the passing game. Um, I, I, I think there's a conversation, like you said, for him to maybe be the first back off the board. I don't think the Patriots would take him just because of how high he's going to go. But I think he would be fantastic if he does end up in New England.
0: Yeah, maybe like his brother, maybe a little bit more of a zone runner than like a power runner, but definitely got a lot of things. That when you watch guys in these drills, especially like the skill positions, you just want to see how, how smooth and how effortless it is for them to go through the drills. And James Cook was one of those guys that looked like it was just a walk in the park, right? And, and right. That, that's exactly what you want to see. They showed some highlights of him during the broadcast where he's flexed out too out uh, wide as a as a receiving threat so he's somebody that can do just about everything i don't think he's quite as explosive in a straight line as his brother but he might be a better pass catching back uh than dalvin cook dalvin is a great screen back right yeah, he yeah. Comes screens, he's fantastic Bold. i don't know if dalvin cook is somebody that you really want to flex out though you know I, I don't know if he's that kind of guy his brother might be a little bit better in that type of uh, phase though
1: Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, it kind of like we talked about on offense, they had a number of good backs in that backfield. He didn't have to do, you know, that was kind of what he had to do to get the ball. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry, they didn't, you know, he kind of just slid in to that pass-catching role. So it's something he's very confident in. It's something he's done a lot of. Sometimes you see these guys who we project as pass-catching backs. It's not necessarily that they've done it a lot. We just think that they have the skill set to do it, but they may not have the experience. You know, a guy like Cook is a guy who's done it. He's been in that role. He's succeeded in that role at the college level. So that's a big plus too. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the backs for me, I think Cook and Beatty are two guys whose stocks just went way up. And and we talked about the Patriots maybe needing that pass catching back. So it's worth keeping an eye on.
0: So the last one I wanted to bring up here before we sign off, uh, Karen Williams from Notre Dame made a lot of headlines in a bad way, right? Running Yeah, rough night. A four six five in the 40-yard dash, which – for a lot of teams, I'm not saying the Patriots are not typically one of those teams that looks at the combine and just writes players off and scratches them off. A lot of teams, when you're running back, that runs a four, six, five, you're not draftable on their board, right? That's, that's a guy that's going to be UDFA, but he can really play in the passing game. Not only can he catch passes, but he can also block. And if he's going to be a sixth round pick now, a lot of, Our our consensus board had him at around 75 or 80 going into the combine. Now that he ran a 4.65, that's tremendous value. If they can get him in the sixth round, and now we're having a much different conversation for a guy that could probably, based off of what you see out of him at Notre Dame, uh, he could probably play the third down back role. Pretty early on, like that's a really difficult role. Obviously, James White redshirted, Shane Vereen redshirted. You know, you, that's a role that you have to learn. But his ability to pass block in the college game, I think that there's a chance that he could play that pretty early on.
1: And I'm just looking here. James White ran a four, five, seven.
0: Yeah, no, it's not think... a. It, it's not typically a role that projects like great forty times. I'm pulling up Rex Burkheads because I know it was. I'm trying bad. to find
1: Shane Vereen's
0: so ready so, for rex burkhead ran a four seven three
1: oh a four Green.
0: a four seven three so
1: that's not great vereen ran a four five steven ridley ran a four six six
0: yeah so Shane um, Vereen, i remember being pretty he could scoot right, right. He, was, he was pretty fast yeah rex burkhead ran a a uh a four seven three let's look at dion lewis uh, Deion Lewis ran a four, five, six. So none of these guys that have played in that sort of role
1: have been Blazers. Like none of those guys have been speed demons, really. Right. Williams, I mean, he was the slowest. And at his size, too, teams are going to look at that. Maybe not the Patriots, but teams yeah. are going to say, all right, you're five, nine. You know, he's five, nine. He's under 190. He can't run away from guys. Team's right. going to be concerned by that. The other one, too, I'd throw in, and he had the second worst time, 464. Letty Brown was another guy I looked at out of West Virginia who could maybe be that pass catching back. Didn't quite right. have the experience, but looked like he had the skill set. He had a rough night, too. So that's another guy where if they're thinking, okay, you know, which of these pass catching backs fell? Kyron Williams is certainly one, but I think Letty Brown could be one too.
0: Yeah, Letty Brown might be a UDFA, right? That that might be somebody you can get as a yeah. UDFA which would also be an interesting route to go as well. So that, that about does it for us here today. I will be back soon to recap defensive line, linebackers, talk corners, do all that good stuff and kind of wrap up the combine over the next couple of days. But uh, don't go anywhere because right as we get out of the combine, we got one week and then it's the start of free agency. So this uh, train's going to keep rolling all the way through the draft here. And this is the fun part. This is the fun part of the offseason. We're really starting to get into the thick of it now. We'll hear rumors, but within a week or so, we're going to get some real concrete answers as to what direction the Patriots are going in. So Alex and I will have you covered for it all. We'll recap the combine on Monday. We will talk corners. We will talk DBs and uh, talk linebackers and defensive line is what I meant to say. And then we'll get into free agency. So it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, you can keep it right here. Patriots press pass, make sure to subscribe, make sure to read Alex on 985, That That is a mouthful. Like CLNS is obviously a terrible mouthful, but 98 985- by the sports hubcom has got length you know i gotta remember that it's not just 98.5 it works it works you you can't hate on it right and especially with steel on us like i i I can't even say it sometimes so uh then uh so we'll be back early in the week what monday uh to recap uh the, the defensive drills out there at the combine this weekend and like i said then we'll turn the page to free agency. So, thanks so much for hanging with us uh, this weekend, one of our favorite weekends of the year. We really appreciate uh, everybody that's watched all the combine coverage, and we'll see you guys Monday. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast Patriots Beat on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcast for a lot more exclusive content right here on the C.L.S. Media Network.